Welcome to the April 2022 edition of Write on Audio, the podcast for writers and all who love books and literature. I'm Tiffany Clare, and as usual this month, we'll be bringing you tips and advice to help your writing, a showcase, and contributions from our listeners. We have an interview with seminal poet and Royal Society of Literature Chair, Daljit Nagra, and a look at upcoming content and ways in which you can contribute to the podcast. We'll start this month with an inspirational moment from Lauren Michelle. Hi, my name's Lauren Michelle, and I'm a poet, mental health activist, writer, creative producer, and healer. I believe in speaking your truth, embracing your emotions, but above all, accepting yourself as who you are. This poem that I'd like to perform is called Expedition of Love. I'm tired. I'm tired of allowing myself to brainwashed of love, or rather the hope of love, fallen in love, true love. We have become consumed with the vision of ideal love. Being told life isn't as fulfilling without that one love. Constantly being shown to search and strive for that dream love. I mean, how many of us have seen adverts on trains, buses, billboards, magazines, newspapers, and the list goes on and on. Match.com. Plenty of fish, Tinder, find her, grind, and these are just some reminders. Being shown images of being saved by love from early on. Disney princesses, damsel in distress, floating, lost, and hopeless, and so we begin to hope less when love seems loveless. Drowning in a sea of love lost, love gone, vacant. We are empty hollow shells, weeping in the sweet chores of life until love comes. But I've been thinking... What about self-love? What about me respecting me, love? Because I'm tired. I'm tired of allowing myself to brainwash of love or rather the hope of love, for an in love, true love. I have forgotten me, love. I've tried to be all love in every love and so it fell short of just being plain real love. So I looked at myself. No, I looked into myself, into my heart and mind and saw no love, just ideals of love. That empty void I tried to fill, tried to seal, left me hurting not just me, but others. Others that were trying to fill their own void or fulfill their meaning of love. But I'm tired. I'm tired of allowing myself to brainwash of love or rather the hope of love for an in love, true love. We have become consumed with the vision of ideal love. Being told life is as fulfilling without that one love. But I am my one true love. I am my own queen, shouting unattainable moonlight, dancing in burning fire and desire unapologetically. I am my own queen who loved the skin she's in, loved the hope she brings and loved the song she sings. I stand strong after every hurricane that has come my way, after every whirlpool of love that caused dismay, after untrue words and unsolved visions led me astray. And so I'm tired. I'm tired of allowing myself to be much of love, or rather the hope of love, for an in love, true love. So let me stop seeking real love until I bathe in my love. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed. Thank you, Lauren, for an inspirational start to our April edition. Now, here's Write On editor Madeline White with her introduction to the podcast. Hello, my name is Madeline. I'm the editor of the Write On suite of publications. I'd like to welcome you to the April edition of Write On Audio, the podcast that celebrates diversity, originality and excellence in writing for and by writers everywhere. 
April is Poetry Month, so in this edition of Write on Audio, Janeha Chowdhury interviews Daljit Nagra. We also include a listener contribution from fabulous Maltese poet Nicole Piscopu, with storytellers from Youth Storytelling Group Right Back providing a showcase for us, affording us creative snapshots from their young lives. In May's podcast, out on the 31st of the month, our fabulous lineup includes two household name authors, an interview with Jane Corrie, and writing tips coming to you from Erin Kelly. As ever, we're actively looking for new contributors to our podcast, with both the listener contributor slot and our inspirational moments open mm-hmm. for submissions. Do check out guidance on my editor's introduction on pentoprint.org and get in touch if you have fiction, non-fiction, multimedia creative pieces or just a short inspirational moment to share. We hope you enjoy this episode of Write on Audio and look forward to hearing from you soon. You're listening to Write on Audio for writers everywhere. Our writing tips this month are from Stuart Ross. Stuart writes both fiction and non-fiction for adults and children. As well as writing, Stuart has taught at many universities and schools around the UK and overseas. He helped to establish the creative and professional writing degree at Christchurch University in Canterbury, where he taught for five years. Hi, my name is Stuart Ross. I'm a writer and I've been writing professionally full-time since 1986. And I've been incredibly lucky over that time. I've written goodness knows how many books of just about every genre there is. Fiction, non-fiction for children and adults and everything in between. Uh, Far be it from me, after all those years of experience, to offer any detailed tips. Um, I mean, there are thousands of books out there that do all that sort of thing. Uh, What I'm going to do is just give you, I suppose, my overall list of things that you need to be and do if you really, really want to be a writer. And number one is that you really must want to do it. It must be the most important thing in your life. It takes precedent over everything else. You are driven. If you want to be a writer, you want to be a writer and don't let anything stand in your way. Number two, It's very, very hard because you have to be absolutely honest. I say it's a bit like standing in the middle of the high street and taking all your clothes off. And some people will be sick and some people will laugh and occasionally one or two people will clap. In other words, you must be totally honest, honest with yourself and honest with your reader. And that is not easy. Next point. Read, read, read. Read everything you possibly can, whether it's newspapers or novels, whether you like it or dislike it, but train yourself to read like a writer. In other words, if you're enjoying a book, stop, ask yourself, why am I enjoying this? Look at the the way that the sentences are put together. Look at the way the characters are developed. Look at the vocabulary. Look at the punctuation and you can learn. Read like a writer. Secondly, write, 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 write. All day, every day, everything you can. There is no such thing as writer's block. It's a luxury for romantic Victorians. Everybody, as long as you've got a hand that works, you can write. 
You may write rubbish, it doesn't matter, you can cross it out and start again. Even if you just write the cat set on the mat, it doesn't matter, write. The more you write, it's a bit like training for a marathon. The more you run, the better you get. The more you write, the better you will get. But only, and this is my next point, only if you have an honest friend. In other words, uh, when we write something, we often look at it and think, oh my goodness, that's absolutely brilliant. And sometimes we have an editor who will look through and say, well, actually, no, it's not. But not all of us had the benefit of an editor to do that. And therefore, have an honest friend. And by an honest friend, I don't mean your mother or your lover. They will read what you've said and they will say, oh, darling, that's absolutely wonderful. But that is of no help whatsoever. You want somebody who will tell you the truth from their point of view. They'll say, well, yes, I, I quite like this. But why did you use that word? And why didn't you put a paragraph in here or the other way around? Why did you put a paragraph? In other words, somebody who will give you detailed, exact, honest comment. And finally, and I think other people have mentioned this as well, know where you're going. Uh, some people say, oh, I just wait for inspiration and, and uh, I, I have no idea where my story is going, blah, blah. Actually, I would think writing, unless you are very, very experienced, is a bit like going on a journey. You need a map. You need a sat-nav. You need where you're going. But that's the final thing. You need to know where the, what the object is. You need to know how your piece of writing is going to end. And then you're going from A to B. Now, you don't necessarily know the route. You know, there may be a traffic jam. You may have a crash. All sorts of things can happen. You invent characters who take off on their own. But at least you go in a, to a certain place. You will end. Your story or whatever it is you're writing will have a shape. If you don't know where you're going, you will get in a muddle. And nobody likes reading a muddle. Above all, it's luck. You know, there are dozens and dozens and hundreds and thousands of really good writers out there and only a handful of them get published and an even smaller handful of them uh, make it into bestseller lists and all the rest of it. Most of them just struggle on. What you need is hard work, perspiration, inspiration and a dose of good luck. So I wish you all good luck. Bye. Thanks for those incredibly useful tips, Stuart. We'll share a link to Stuart's website where you'll be able to read more about him as part of the show notes for this podcast. Write on audio for writers everywhere. Our interview this month is with Daljit Nagra. Daljit's poetry has garnered many accolades and awards, including the 2007 Ford Poetry Prize for Best First Collection, the Poetry Book Society's pamphlet choice and nominations for the Costa Book Award and the Guardian First Book Award. His work has also been shortlisted for the T.S. Eliot Prize, featured on BBC Radio, the London Review of Books, and many other journals and periodicals. The interviewer is Jenea Chowdhury. Our theme for this issue is um, nature and creativity. So my first question to you is, how does nature inspire your creativity? And if it doesn't, what does? Uh, okay, um, I guess what one way to answer that question for me would be when we talk about nature we partly think about climate crisis okay and my way of addressing climate crisis my angle on it is to think about migration um okay leaving their countries because in particular rising sea levels ending up in europe and the imminent rise of the far right across most countries in europe if not already mm. and the yeah. impact of that where people want to be you know, turning these immigrants away. So I've been interested in thinking about that aspect yeah. of the natural world 
the devastation is causing. So implicitly, devastation caused on the lives of people, you know, from probably my background or not far from my background, you know, Southeast Southeast Asia, from my parents from India. Yeah. I've read that sometimes you get inspired by things happening around you. Tell us more about that. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think one of the things that's been really interesting for me in terms of writing is thinking about Britishness. I've been really taking that angle of British identity and thinking about how to interpret my own heritage. So whether it be the Indian heritage and British heritage. So in in one ways, it's been a very systematic process through the books. Yeah. So I've been really interested thinking about the great English poets and how I can revive them by making them my own. Okay. Like, uh, serving reverence and also thinking about Indian culture, Indian traditions that take place here in Britain yeah. uh, and the way they get transformed through migration uh, okay. but also thinking about things that feel um, have a, a greater complexity for me like the Indian epics, the Mahabharata, mm. the Ramayana, uh, the Vedas, those sort of stories I think are really fascinating scriptures. And yeah. stories. So you want to kind of revive them in your own with your yeah, own yeah, spin on it. Yeah, partly think through how you might uh, merge East-West thinking, how... Okay. Because we live it day-to-day, you yeah, know, yeah. and I, I know, I'm sure you do. And we, we're yeah. talking in, probably wouldn't have been our native language. If yeah. We, I've, you know, my parents came over, I was born here, but they would have stayed in the villages. But yeah. It's how you, um, you know, my name, my skin colour, denotes an identity from elsewhere. And yeah. you know, well, being very Indian in many ways. Yeah. So it's sort yeah. of on those two aspects in an imaginative way. So I think finding positive things about being in between cultures to okay. celebrate that. Yeah. But is there like a particular routine or ritual that you do that really unlocks your imagination and gets your, if you're having a bad day that you kind of, you know, don't know what to write about or, you know, you've had a thought but you don't know where to take it kind of thing? Is there something that you do that like really gets you thinking? Yeah, so I, I did used to try and do that in my early days when I was writing. So what yeah. I do, I think more like Keats, it, the poems should come like leaves to a tree. And yeah. I, I kind of, I didn't really believe that in my first book when I was working towards it, but more and more I think that's probably right, that the poems that work out best for me are the ones that just develop naturally and I let them develop in my head and have the confidence to let them brew rather than rushing to the page to write them down. Because sometimes yeah. I've done that and the poem isn't, it then... I don't know where to go with it. And I think, well, I should have just left it in my head. And, you know, it's that very precious space. Yeah, because you, uh, I remember reading that you said something like you write on the go rather than sitting at a desk because you don't like the kind of structure and it feeling like a work job. Yeah, I still, yeah, I still don't have a work desk as such. So yeah. I try and avoid that. And I, th- I, th- I do enjoy it feeling like a hobby to keep it yeah. as fresh as the very first poems you wrote. Um, yeah. So that would be a, a tip, I guess, that... Um, don't make it too professional and you know because you still want to stay as um, idealistic about the ambition of the poems but also yeah. as fresh and energetic as you first were if you yeah. were energetic to begin with um, yeah. that's the aim isn't it and hopefully yeah. um, how do you do that you have to avoid um, overly being serious about yourself and thinking yeah. oh, I'm an important poet or anything like that so yeah. think you're a new poet each time because sometimes when I find when you just sit down and you really like you've got the time pressure and you really want to write, you know, it, it the words don't come. And then yeah. I'm not out shopping and then suddenly something comes to me. And I know what that means. Like when you're trying to pour something out of you, it doesn't really always come out in the best way. No, that's a really good point. It's really frustrating, yeah. isn't it? So yeah, yeah. it reminds you again, it's, it's, it's not really a vocation. It's more a vocation than a job. 
It's a kind yeah. of life thing you do, and it happens yeah. at moments in your life. Yeah. You, you look at a lot of the great poets, they didn't produce volumes of poetry, you know, Elizabeth Bishop or Philip Larkin, didn't produce that much work, and it sort of happened periodically. Yeah. And actually, does the world need you to be writing all the time? Can the world mm. stand you knocking out thousands of pages in your lifetime? Yeah. You I like know. what you said. It reminds me of what you said something about like you don't like novels because they go on too long. And I mean, tell me, <laughs> what is that world building of a novel? Yeah, yeah. Exhausting. And I think okay, it might be a pleasure. Um, I quite like the idea of just getting to the heart of things. Yeah. Sooner than later. And yeah. It does offer that, doesn't it? It offers a possibility of um, arriving somewhere much quicker. Yeah. Because sometimes what I find with you know uh, the books I'm writing now. Is, it is like there's I, I hate writing the mundane tasks. I just want to get to the point. I want to get the heart at the heart of the dialogue. I don't want to the lead up. You know, I just want to, you know, if there's a dramatic scene, I just want to write that. So I find that, that a struggle writing the little bits in between as well. Kind of yeah. thing, because I just want to get You're right. I think learn about the spaces between the words much more. They're bigger spaces. The writer can enter all those spaces. Whereas yeah. you know, you're filling in a lot more spaces, aren't you? Whereas yeah. we're, we're largely about 99% of the poem is a vacuum. We've yeah. got the in, we've opened the space, and then the reader has to enter to fill the, the world in. Yeah. So it's a very different process, isn't it? You're, yeah. You're and there's always, like, with the, with the novel writing, there's always, like, questions that you have to answer. Why doesn't, you know, you haven't said this about the character, you know, the reader does not know this about the character. So there's always gaps that you, like, there's always padding that you need to do to kind of answer those questions because otherwise your novel kind of doesn't make sense or, you know, like there's plot holes or there's things missing. So I think, you know, as um, a poet, you know, there's uh, a bit more uh, time, like, you know, you leave a bit more to the reader to kind of, you know, make their own kind of connections and fill in the gaps. Well, a lot of percent at least is the vacuum that reader enters. Yeah. We just yeah. given a few hints, haven't we? Yeah. And also, I think it's also the issue of the apostrophe, the, the speaker, who they're speaking to. Yeah. In the poem, we don't care quite often who, yeah. who's someone speaking. We don't necessarily know who's speaking, and we don't mm. always know who they're speaking to. Yeah. Um, and that kind of space that, that creates is quite particular. You don't get it in any art, other art form. You can't yeah. do that in a novel, could you? You'd have no, to no, no, no. Yeah. You'd have to know what time of day, possibly, and who's, yeah. what the other person's doing. So you can... You can in, in a sense, every poem is an act of uh, of, of of the phantom, the ghost. Yeah. You know, someone speaking to someone. Yeah. Are they talking to themselves? Are they talking to somebody else? It's a kind of very spectral experience. Yeah. In a sense. The fewer words we use, yeah, the more slippery the la the poem becomes because each word we have to say. If you've only got twenty words in a poem, every word is doing loads of work. The reader thinks, "Well, yeah. what does it mean?" And you might get to the second or third meaning of the word. Suddenly, yeah. you're opening up the toolbox or the suitcase of each word. Yeah. So, as you say, there's more than one way to hear, read it. Yeah. Not because of the slipperiness. We, we yeah. love the ambiguity of words, don't we? Yeah. Your poetry has the mishmash of kind of English and Punjabi. Yeah. And there, there is a lot of like, you know, sound effects in your poetry. So, is that where, the, where it comes from? Kind of listening. Yeah, it probably doesn't it? You know, you're hearing Punjabi at the same time as watching this uh, strange yeah. sound. And then yeah. as you're older, you, you merge the two together as part of your life. At home, yeah. I speak Punjabi every day. You know, yeah. my parents didn't speak English. Mum didn't speak any English. Um, yeah. so, so you live that double life. You know, yeah. when you leave your front door, you speak only, I speak only English. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was mostly Punjabi. So you police yourself. So in a sense, writing is getting rid of the policeman. And yeah. Freeing yourself. And, yeah. And, you know, going between the two. If you just write in English, that's not true to your own self. Yeah. And it's important to bring um, the complexity of yourself into your language, literally the language, the diction, the words, mm. the syntax, the movement of the language. Otherwise, mm. if you say, for example, just use standard English, um, well, everyone uses it. I mean, you're just like everybody else. So yeah. I think that's kind of just mimicry and it's, it's, mm. it's, it's fraudulent. Mm. Um, it's really, okay. it's at the very heart because- of the thing. Because why, why write poetry if you're not going to um, explore yourself through oh. the stretch language? Because yeah. English is going to keep developing. You know, it's an international language. There are going to be many Englishes, so we should all be playing a part in creating the many Englishes. Poetry has become more democratised in recent years, and we're going towards a greater democratising of poetry. We no longer say just the page poet is the best poet. We can have poets who write in opaque, obscure ways and modernists. We have uh, kind of mainstream accessible poets. We have performance poets and we have social media poets. Each person is writing for their own particular form and each is equally valid as the other. So I, I think we're losing the elitism, hopefully over time, about which art form is superior over others and that hopefully over time we'll think all four are equally valid. I mean, we haven't had the great genius of social media poetry probably yet, but somebody will come and, and make us think, wow, that's, that's great. And it is a very difficult art form. You have to hold a reader's attention in a few space of a few seconds. You probably need to use images, uh, a few words, that kind of thing. And a performance poet needs to get up there on stage and hold an audience there and then. And it might, it might be in a bar on a Friday night. Uh, it might be a bunch of disaffected children who hate poetry. But, you know, that immediate speak to a big audience. So I think we're heading in the right way that all forms are valid. And what I would say to people is that, you know, go bullishly and confidently uh, in, into the form that suits you best. If you want to be a performance poet, that is as good as being a page poet. Okay? If anybody tells you that's not, they've got their own agenda and don't listen to them. <laughs> much to Daljit Nagra for being our guest on this podcast. As usual, you'll be able to read more from this interview in Write On magazine, and we'll post links so you can find out more about Daljit in the show notes for this podcast. This month's showcase has been picked and edited by Minutia and Blessings, two young writers from the Write Back programme. Write Back believes every young person has a story to tell and gives them a way to increase confidence and self-esteem by writing and sharing their stories. We'll share links so you can find out much more about Write Back and support their work in our show notes. But for now, here's April's showcase with a wonderful selection of young voices, picked to express the reality of young lives in this time of uncertainty. Chameleon. I am not like a chameleon. Or am I? I don't understand why chameleons are at the bottom of the food chain. After all, they are smart creatures and they have eyes on the side of their head so they can observe 
their surroundings. I am always observing my surroundings. Chameleons are beautiful and colourful creatures, but not too colourful. That's dangerous. I can't be too colourful. I have to know my limits. After all, I don't want to be targeted. What if I was like everyone else? Normal. What if I was big like all the other creatures? Fierce. What if I wasn't as colourful, not standing out? Am I a chameleon? I am a chameleon. But why? I am a chameleon. But we are nothing alike. I am a chameleon. I feel safer when I'm hiding. I am a chameleon. Always hiding from predators. I am a chameleon. But I don't want to be. Chameleon by Toki. The reader was Holly Skinner. Unwanted Noise by Emmanuel Oriani. Unwanted Noise. I listen to the rain as it taps against my window. I look over and watch the droplets fall so slowly, like tears, as I sit still on my bed and begin to think. I've always loved creating ever since I was little, but I didn't know it'd bring a platter of shadowing voices that had so much to say. Lots of unwanted noise that could fill a whole room. It flew at me from all different directions. I felt like I couldn't catch a break. Tears well up as I sink down into the ground. I couldn't even tell what was happening. I forgot how to shout, feeling like I lost my voice. You can hear a faint sound, but not much. I begin searching for my voice, checking for its hidden noise, but I couldn't find it. They had so much power, turning the blue walls into Celtic black. What is happening? My bones felt like a mirror about to shatter into a million pieces. The silence was as loud as it's ever been, drowning everything else out. Time goes by so slowly, it starts to move around and whisper in my ear. A sudden fear goes right through me. I've never got like this before. Where are you coming from? Sneaking in through any cracks you can find, stopping me in my tracks, making me feel stuck in a maze, mind in a constant loop, feeling lost in the haze. Four walls, please catch me, as the cracks begin to open up beneath me. Where's the spotlight? I can't seem to find it. I don't think I can do this. Everything seems so blurry. Mysterious mystical mist begins to form around me, closing me in. Now, it all comes down to this. Should I keep my notepad open? Or close it for good? I think about this while the rain continues to fall. The reader was Emmanuel Oriani. Period by Hazel. My name is Afaf, which means purity. I belong to a poor household. I lived in a substandard house with a lack of hygiene. Like every young person, I wanted to grow up instantaneously. 3rd of January, 
2019. I had my first period and the pain of it was so unbearable I can't express it in words. There were no pads for girls as they were too expensive, so they had no choice but to use cotton or wool pads they could wash and reuse, much like cloth diapers, and I did the same. But I couldn't tolerate the pain of the blood coming from my body like water. Everyone neglected me as I was impure, as it says in the Bible. Leviticus 11.1-15.33 A woman undergoing menstruation is perceived as unclean for seven days and whoever touches her shall be unclean until evening. Every month the seven days are agonising for me. As the bleeding gets heavier, the pain gets worse and no one cares about the pain I'm suffering. After a long time, I realise the cloths we are using for our periods are unhygienic, but it's too late now as my friend Mirab died of a uterine disease from using unhygienic cloths, pads for her periods. That news broke me, as she was my best friend. My only friend. I was broken from inside out and felt regretful that I couldn't do anything about it. 20th of November, 2019. Relief. I am vomiting constantly. I have rashes all over my body. The pain is unendurable. I am covered in my own blood. Oh. Breathing heavily. A crystal clear drop fell from the burning eye. She said, Kuda Hafez. Goodbye. In her broken voice and received relief from all her pain. Everyone gets two choices in life. Whether to do something or not. But we don't always have a choice, and periods are one of them. A girl has to suffer the pain for most of her life because she doesn't have another option. So please, care for us when we are having our period. I know we can become frustrated and annoyed during our periods, but it's fine. Give us a hug or chocolate and treat us with love. Because on those days, we need someone who listens and cares for us without saying anything. Girls, don't feel ashamed talking about your periods. It's not a bad thing. I admit that it's really painful and sometimes a bit inconvenient too, but be proud of yourselves and that you are a girl. You are special. The reader was Holly Skinner. The showcase this month was presented by Right Back and featured the following pieces. Chameleon by Toki, Unwanted Noise by Emmanuel Oriani, and Period by Hazel. Our listener contribution this month is from Maltese poet Nicole Piscopo. Nicole shares her poems on Instagram and on Penguin and Panda Poetry on Facebook. Here's Nicole to introduce her work. Hi, I'm Nicole. I'm from a tiny island in the Mediterranean called Malta. I'm 25 and I'm currently training to become a psychologist. And I'm going to be reading a few poems today. If you're interested, you can follow me at Maybe It's Fate Poetry on Instagram. poem that I'll be reading is called Manhattan Skyline. 
You gave me the Manhattan skyline wrapped in pixie lights, and I told you I was not your dream girl. A year from now, you will already be with someone else, and I'll still be wearing the same yellow jumper that I love, and we'd live in the archived photos of each other's phones. But for now, we wander under yellow lights, the sky blacked out in magic marker, and we pretend we are cookie cutters and the world is our gingerbread, and that we are unbreakable. I actually don't know if a year from now you'll be with someone else, because the truth is, I rarely know anything, but it's easier pretending that our matchstick souls will eventually burn out than thinking of what it would be like if they just kept burning. Because what do you do when you are the eggshells that you are walking on? What do you do when you run out of sheep and count insecurities to fall asleep? There are days you make me feel boundless, like the stars are just another word for magic. But there are days when I wonder if we're the same halves of the same cookie, misled in the assumption that two halves make a whole. You gave me the Manhattan skyline wrapped in fairy lights, and I told you I was never a dream girl. We're on the subway, and the city is filled with earphones and coffee cups and invisible hopes. You are still not with someone else, and I'm still wearing my yellow sweater, and we live in the space between our camera shutters. I keep myself doubt in a Ziploc these days, for fear it might spill and make a mess. I actually still don't know where we'll be a year from now, but I'm trying not to guess. For now, we wander the streets, like a hitchhiker's lucid dream. And we pretend we are gingerbread people with icing for jacket buttons. And we follow the trail of smoke right back to our burning matchstick hearts. is called Things You Can't Ignore. There are just some things you can't ignore. 1. The ringing of a car alarm. 2. The blaring karaoke across the street. 3. Loneliness. Someone once asked me what my superpower would be. I said time travel. They thought I wanted to change the past. I said maybe I want to see the future. But that's not wise, is it? The past has shaped you, and the future is shaped by you. To lose your uncertainty would be to commit God's work, and upon learning it, having to sit through it. 4. A crush. 5. Your favourite song on the radio. 6. A screaming toddler. I said I wanted to be invisible then. Invisibility would be my safety net. It spreads you thin between the walls you inhabit. You can exist anywhere and nowhere. You listen to other people's lungs, but shield yourself from their breath. It is perhaps wise to take away the power people hold over you. The power to see you. Or maybe it's just lonely. 7. A thousand anxious thoughts. 8. A headache. 9. A storm. I laid my heart out to a guy once, like a blanket under the stars, waiting to see if it would be stepped on. It was, unintentionally. But to be raw, you cannot be invisible. And to be brave, you cannot turn around time. 10. Heartbreak. 11. The sound of your name. 12. An apology. I once felt so empty that if I were a shell, you'd be hearing the waves of the ocean. My therapist said I'd feel normal again. I wondered how she was so sure. She couldn't see the future. I wanted my superpower to be speed so I could run until I was numb inside until the world made sense again. 13. Laughter. 
14. A daisy growing out of the pavement. 15. Inner peace. There are just some things you can't ignore, that no superpower will let you. And I didn't want to disappear. I didn't want to know my fate. I wanted to feel whole, to paint patches of colour over all that has been scraped off, and to patch others up too. I said to them, that would be my superpower. This next poem that I'll be reading is called Wrote a Love Letter, Turned It Into an Airplane. And it's a lyric from the song Seeing Stars by Bournes. What is the best way to tell someone you want your Polaroid photo in their wallet? For them to introduce you to people as their midnight. For you to lie on a picnic blanket somewhere with them and wonder if the universe has always been this big. What is the best way to tell someone you got stupidly tangled in their loose ends? That they might find bits and pieces of you in their pockets. That you were always very careful of the paper trail, but that the stars in your smile can still be traced back to them. Maybe you pull them aside at a party and blame the gin, or scribble down a poem on the back of their hand when they aren't looking. Maybe you take a stereo to their window and blare every single love song you thought was written for that moment. Maybe you tell them how you want to wrap your jacket sleeves around their waist, your fingers around the edges of their scarves. How the universe wasn't always this big, because a part of it had always been inside your throat, caught up in all the loose words left unsaid. But how can you speak now, when it's easier to forever hold your silence? How can you write love letters, when it's simpler to write soliloquies? Maybe the best way to tell someone you love them, is to not tell them at all, and wait until one day you no longer want to say it. Because one of the better things about love letters is that they make great paper airplanes. There'll be links so you can find out more about Nicole Piscopo and read her poetry in our show notes. Subscribing to Write On Audio is easy and will mean that you'll be notified the moment new editions are released. Many podcast apps will deliver new editions directly to your feed. In your favourite podcast app, search for Write On Audio and then look for a button or link that says subscribe. If you're listening on Spotify, you need to choose follow to subscribe, just as you would for a musician or band. We'll print more details in the show notes for this podcast, where you will also find links to our contributors and to the online version of Write On magazine. Coming up on Write On Audio in May, we'll have a listener contribution from poet Danny Baxter and a showcase from Libraries Unlimited. Further ahead in June, we'll bring you a feature on writing and mental health, looking at the ways in which you can keep your mind fit for writing. Listen out for our May edition on Monday the 31st of May and remember to subscribe to Write On Audio to be notified when the edition is released. As usual, we'd love to hear from you if you'd like to hear your work on the podcast. We're after inspirational moments, short fiction, poetry and prose. If you have some writing advice you'd like to share, we'd love to hear it. Please submit to pentaprint.org forward slash get hyphen involved forward slash submit hyphen to hyphen write hyphen on forward slash. Thank you for listening to Writer Audio. This podcast has been presented by me, Tiffany Clare, and produced by Chris Gregory. 
Write on Audio is an Alternative Stories production for pen to print. 